We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Box. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. And it has been an amazing morning in the studio. Our brother Ed has been here working for several hours, getting everything reestablished with a new board, a new mixer. I'm praying that it's coming through so that you can hear and understand what's being said. 
if you can and you're on YouTube, would you please leave me a message on uh, the chat line so that I'll know you're receiving the broadcast. And for those of you listening on the radio, yes, we should be there loud and clear. And I praise God for that. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I don't want to waste any time. There's too much that we need to deal with today. I'd like to begin with prayer. Oh, Lord, as we come today, I just know there's so much you want to say to us. And I know that our our educated minds will not be able to comprehend very well what you're trying to say. I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come now and would speak with us, that we could understand with our hearts. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I want to open today's broadcast with a question. Do you believe in the existence of God? Do you believe in the existence of God? And many of you will say very quickly, Oh, yes, 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 of course. Why are you even asking us this question? Because in our English language, to believe is much different than a biblical belief. In the English language, it means we agree with an intellectual amount of content. Yes, that's true. It's proven. It's scientific. But in the spirit, to believe means I'm connected. My life is dependent on that connection. So I come asking, do you believe in the existence of God? Not the intellectual assent to the reality of a divine heavenly being. I mean, do you believe? Are you connected to? Or are you an atheist? An intellectual believer, but an atheist. Well, if you say you believe... Do you believe that you have treated God as you should have treated him? Have you respected his authority? Have you loved him? Have you trusted in him? Have you done what you thought would please him? You admit, don't you, that you ought to love him and worship him and obey him according to what you know intellectually. Have you done that? Have you treated God as he deserves to be treated? Is the answer yes or no? If you're honest with me, you're probably going to have to say, as I have to say, 
I've not treated him as I ought to have treated him. And this morning I've been struggling with this in the prayer closet early hours of the morning. And I've been saying, why am I not treating him as I need to treat him? What is it that blocks me? And I have to tell you what blocks me is that God is too small in my mind and I'm too big. I'm too big and he's too small. Now the reality is I'm tiny speck of insignificant flesh before an awesome and mighty God who creates the whole earth, who sustains the motor of the earth. He is the awesome one, not me. But in my mind, it's been, what do I need? How do I take care of me? How do I get God to do what he needs to do to take care of me? No. And of course, the question comes, is it of any value for me to to give you more information about God and the workings of God if you, along with me, are not living up to the fullness of what we already know about who God is? I've been encouraged by many of you who have contacted me in the last 48 hours saying, Pastor, we're very concerned. If you're not going to ask for money to pay for the broadcast, then how will it get paid for? Because you have to ask for what you need. You have to tell us how much you are short. And then we step in and help cover the cost. No. No, it doesn't work that way. It is the Lord God Almighty who is the all-powerful one. And I don't know how to talk about this very well, but as I've been studying the 17th chapter of Exodus, it seems absolutely plain and clear and transparent that the natural heart of man always distrusts Jesus. The natural heart of man will always go to unbelief. Part of that's because we can't live in the future. And we don't know what's going to happen in the future. All we have are our experiences of the past and what's happening to us right now. But God holds the future. And he knows what he wants to accomplish. And the question comes, are you an atheist? Or do you believe in the existence of God? And if you believe in the existence of God, are you willing to do what he asks you to do? 
are you willing to sacrifice time, money, and energy for the building of his future kingdom? Now, the kingdom of God is both past, present, and future. But we have to take actions right now to build both the present kingdom and the future kingdom. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name must be considered as holy. So it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So we, when we pray this prayer, know that it's the will of God to bring his kingdom upon the earth. We do not pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My kingdom come. Do it for me, Jesus. We don't pray that way. So the children of Israel, we come to chapter 17 in the book of Exodus. In the Greek, it's chi, it, it's and. NIV omits the and, but it's a very important Greek word. If you go back earlier to chapter 16, it also begins with chi, with and. And the whole Israelite community set out from Elam. In other words, it's a continuation from Elam. And so chapter 17 begins, and the whole Israelite community, and mean it's connected to the previous activity that they've just been through where they grumbled against the Lord because they didn't have the food to eat. And so now it's just a continuation of that story. That's very important. So we don't take one little hunk of it, one little piece, and say, okay, let's share this story today. No, I want you to know that the story is all connected. These people are in the wilderness. They have been separated from the world. And they now walk in the wilderness. And of course, for Christians... The world is the wilderness. And we've been called out of the world to be separate from the world. We've been told, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things that the pagans are running after will be given to you, will be provided for you as you serve in the office, in the mechanic shop, in the hospital, wherever you serve, is your place of ministry to build the kingdom of God in that place. So we come to chapter 17. And the whole Israelite community, that's almost probably two million people, I mean, talk about a campground moving. This is a huge project. They come traveling from place to place. They have different camps. They don't just move one day. They move, they camp, they move, and they camp. 
and each encampment is directed to the place that the Lord commands them to go. And so then we have, they came to Rephidim. How did they happen to come to Rephidim? They came because they were following the cloud. The cloud was leading them, and that's going to become a very important issue next week as we share another and in the story of Moses and the children of Israel. They camped at Rephidim, and there was no water there. No water. Well, who led them to a place where there was no water? The cloud did. The Lord God of heaven led them to Rephidim. He knew what he was going to do. And now let's be very plain, please. The journey of the Christian life is a journey of faith. And it is a constant testing of that faith that we begin to go through. The test of faith is whether or not I will trust the word of the Lord to me or whether I have to see it before I'll believe it. Now, some of you say, oh, Pastor Ray, I'm not like you. I can't just stand by faith. Well, no, you can't just stand by your faith. You have to stand by God's faith. And it's based on a very specific promise of Scripture. And it means that you have soaked yourself in the Word and not the television. It means you've soaked yourself in the Scripture and not in the football or the baseball or the tennis. It means you've not been spending all of your time figuring out your investments and how you're going to make money. It is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things will be given. In other words, your time is to be spent seeking that which will give you a basis of faith, God's faith in his word, in his veracity. But these people have not been doing that. They have seen the incredible miracles of God. They, they saw the Red Sea part. Every morning they get up and they collect all of the bread they want. They collect the manna, a perfectly balanced and nutritional meal. All of the nutrients necessary, vitamins, minerals, carbohydrates, fats, everything is included in that meal. They've seen that. They've been eating the manna on their journey. And they've noticed that when they move to a new campsite, the manna falls around them just as it did at the last campsite. And it's going to continue until over a million tons of manna has been collected by them. So they come to Rephidim. And there's no water. And they begin to quarrel with Moses, saying, give us water to drink, as though Moses could give them anything. Moses can't give them water to drink. 
And Moses says to them, why are you quarreling with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? And we know from other scriptures that they came back and said, is the Lord among us or not? Well, look, there's the Shekinah glory cloud leading you on the path and you've been following it for days now. There's the manna spread out in the desert. What do you have to see to begin to trust God? Now, some of you have lived for many years. You're mature adults. But when you're faced with a crisis, a testing of your faith, what do you do? You have many resources and ways of taking care of yourself. But what if God brings you into a place where you can't take care of yourself? Then what will you do? Well, I have my credit cards. I have my checking account. I have my my monthly money or bi-weekly, bi-monthly money that comes. I can take care of business. I've got my deal covered. So I say, okay, I'm going to live by faith that the Lord Jesus Christ will move in your hearts to give what he would have you give. And one brother, several brothers, have written to me and said, Pastor, you have to ask us so we know that you need the money. Really? In other words, you're my source. You're my supply. No. I've said it before, but now it's becoming very real. This is not listener-supported radio. This is Jesus-supported radio. And he must supernaturally move in your heart and prompt you that you want to be a part of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you want this message of holiness to confront sin in America and you want people, men and women, to turn to Jesus and be saved. I want to pull out a letter that just came. I want to, I want to share this with you. Uh, here it is. I received this letter yesterday. Hello, Pastor Ray. I just hit my nine-year mark on Friday, August 20, for being clean and sober, exclamation point. I'll never forget the pain and suffering that I was in and also caused at that time. A very blessed memory, though, as I remember hearing Pilgrim's Progress broadcast during that time of slavery. I pray you'll be able to continue this work of God. Heard you say today you're not to ask for donations from now on. May his will be done. Like I said a while back, you can count on me for at least $100 a month, sometimes more. Keep up the good work, and God bless you always. Here's a man of faith. He's going to give that amount, not because it's needed, 
but because he wants the work of God to continue. He's going to walk by faith. I'm asking, will you walk by faith? Will you let the Holy Spirit have an avenue in your heart to bring conviction regarding your responsibility for the work of the kingdom of God, for the work of the gospel of Jesus? And not give because somebody needs it, but give because you know the work of God is going to go forward as you give. And it's in response to Jesus. Now, I don't understand this about my own heart or about your heart. I just know that it's true. That the natural bent of the human heart is selfish. The natural bent of the human heart is to be in unbelief. And this selfishness has to be broken by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. And this natural tendency to unbelief, the Lord has to come and test it and test it and test it. And time after time, we will fail those tests. But he keeps coming. He keeps bringing opportunities to us to believe in him to trust him it's not sufficient for me to say well a man's got to do what a man has to do and if and I can't trust God to do it he's here sometimes and then he's gone well why is he gone because I rely on my own strength and my own wisdom and I refuse to turn everything over to Jesus. And this broadcast is about literally turning everything over to Jesus. If he can manage getting the sun up in the morning, if he can manage handling the, the holding of the earth in space, if he can move in your heart and give you a sense of his presence. Can he not also tell you what he wants you to do? But selfishness kicks in and we say, no, I give where I'm needed. Really? The kingdom of God needs you. This radio broadcast needs you. But at the prompting of Jesus at the moving of the Holy Spirit. Why do you put the Lord to the test? So I'm not going to say, is the Lord with me or not? I'm not going to say, does the Lord want this radio broadcast to continue or not? I'm going to say I'm standing by faith that God will move in the hearts of his people to be extremely, hilariously generous to give in such a manner that the work of God can grow and prosper. If you've listened to this broadcast very long, you know that I have been utterly faithful before God in the administration of the funds that have been given. 
So that's not the question. The question is, do you believe there's a God? Have you obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, or are you still walking in sin? Do you still have areas of unbelief and lack of trust? And you don't believe God has the power or the willingness to deal with your personal life. Now, I say that with tenderness and kindness because I know from talking with many of you in your letters and your communications that many of you are in a very, very painful place in your life, in your marriage, with your jobs. It's a place where you have to decide, am I going to trust Jesus or do I think that my worrying can solve the problems? Do I believe that prayer is effectual and will I go to my knees in the prayer closet and cry out to God until I have been assured that he has activated the promises on my behalf and he has done what I have asked of him because the word says he will do that, Mark 11, 23-24. He will move that mountain or he will come finally and say, look, this is a thorn in your flesh and you need it to keep you humble. But I'll give you the grace to walk under this thorn. The children of Israel are putting God to the test because they're thirsty. It's hot. They don't have any water. They've run out. Their animals are bleeding because they need water. And they're grumbling against Moses. They're complaining against him. They're angry. They're bringing accusations and curses against Moses. They're saying, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Never mind that they have manna to eat that morning. Never mind that they see the Shekinah glory cloud of God leading them from place to place. Never mind that God led them to Rephidim. Please hear me. God will lead you to Rephidim. And he leads you to Rephidim to see what you will do. He leads you to a place where you're going to be thirsty or hungry, to a place where your work is not successful. I've got a call this morning from a brother. I've been praying with him. And he made the decision yesterday that he would utterly, totally, and completely give his life into God's hands and that he would trust the Lord God of heaven in his sales with his company. And he called me while I was trying with my brother Ed to get this equipment all established and working. He called me and he frantic. He said, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm the lowest on the totem pole. I'm not getting any results in my, in my work, and I need sales. I rejoice he's at Rephidim. And now we're going to see if he's going to stand 
in the commitment he made yesterday to the Lord that he would totally turn his life over to the Lord Jesus and that he would trust the Lord to bring forth the sales as he chose to bring them. Now the test could become exceedingly painful if he gets fired because he doesn't have adequate sales and he's the bottom of the totem pole. Then he will be in the depths of Rephidim. How does he support himself? How does he make his car payment? How does he pay for his, his condo? How does he pay for food and shelter? You see, God is not willing to be relegated to a, to a comfort dog that we lead around on a leash that wags his tail and licks our hand. God is not a comfort dog. God is not even a tame wolf. God is fearsome and mighty and powerful. And everything resides in his hand, including your life in his palm. And in one moment, he can turn you over. And your life is forfeit. Now, are you going to try to squeak through with the cobwebs of, of human ability? Are you going to trust yourself in the cobwebs of, of human rescue? Or are you going to place yourself in the arms of the almighty God of heaven? And are you going to trust everything to his presence and his power? Picture yourself in Rephidim today. You're thirsty. You can't live without water. There is no water. It is simply the dry desert. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to get angry and strike out against God and say, are you here or not, God? You're supposed to be my servant. You're supposed to do this for me, and you haven't done it. And I'm mad. Is that what you're going to do? Is that how we deal? Now the Lord is told by Moses, or is asked by Moses, what am I to do with these people? Now it's very interesting to me that they are coming against Moses with invictiveness, with bitterness, with anger, with clenched fists, with stones holding their hand. They're going to stone him to death because he won't give them water. And Moses does not reply with any bitterness or any anger. He is a, a humble, humble man before Almighty God. He does not respond with bitterness to the people. Instead, he goes to God and he said, what do you want me to do, Lord? Now, concerning this radio broadcast, 
I know that the Lord has called me now to deal with the finances for ministry in the same way I deal with the finances for my personal life. I don't ask anybody for money for my personal life. I pray, I wait on the Lord, and I have utter and absolute confidence that he will carry me in his arms, feeding me, paying the rent, paying the electricity, paying the gas, taking care of the car. He's done that year after year after year for me without my having any failing one time. And I know he will, as he said to me, carry me all the way through. Well, now I need to deal with ministry expenses in the same way. I have to live by faith. And many of you have expressed grave concerns. Pastor, you're going to go off the air, and we don't want you to. We think this word needs to go out to the world. It needs to go on a much broader path than it's currently on. It needs to be expanded across America. Okay. Is it my radio broadcast, or is it belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ? I believe it belongs to Jesus, just as I belong to him. And now I've said, Lord, what am I to do with the radio broadcast? And all he'll answer me is, test me in this. What's he mean? He doesn't mean to be like the children of Israel walking in unbelief, angry, bitter. No, he's saying, watch what I'll do. Watch how I will cover the cost through my people. As they know there's a need, they will cover it. But you don't need to tell them. I'll tell them. Wow. Okay, I'll test you in this, Lord. I'm going to put my weight down with the Lord Jesus. And this, this dear brother, his name is Chris. I've known Chris now many years. I've walked with him in his foolish drunkenness. He's now clean. He's left his alcohol and his drugs. He has a job. He's walking in Jesus. I rejoice. I am, I am so excited when I get letters like this or, or when I get a letter like I got this week from Twyla. I rejoice in that. And so... I'm testing the Lord in the sense that I'm saying, Lord, I trust you, and I rejoice in you. And so now I'm expectant because the Lord has let me know that he's activating the promises of Scripture from his end, and he will move in power. Please, my brother, my sister, this whole walk with Jesus is a supernatural walk of grace. It's not a flesh walk. And he calls us out of the flesh. He calls us out of our own resources. He calls us beyond. 100% trusting in the Lord. 
Now, if I'm trusting the Lord entirely for my, for my money, for what takes care of me, what feeds me, what keeps this body alive, and I'm trusting God for the cost of the radio, that frees up a great deal of prayer time. And now that prayer time can be focused on the lost, on the dying, on the people who are listening to the broadcast who are still not walking by faith. So this morning I spent a great deal of time crying out to the Lord, doing what he told me to do, praying for the salvation of those who listen to this broadcast and asking the Lord, could you broaden it? <clears throat> I can't see. I'm blind. That's okay. Jesus can see. It's his faith. It's not my faith. It's not something I conjure up. It's not something I work up in my own spirit. Faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes as you listen to a broadcast like this or as you're reading the word. Faith comes from the word, from Jesus. And it's Jesus' faith that comes into your heart. It's not positive witchcraft affirmations. It's standing by faith that God is who he says he is. And I begin to treat him as I need to treat him. And so every known sin... I rebuke in the name of Jesus every thought that comes to the mind I re that is of darkness. I rebuke in the name of Jesus. I will not walk in the, in the weakness of the human body or the human flesh. I walk in the spirit of the living God by faith in Jesus. So, Moses cries out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? What do you want me to do, Jesus? They're almost ready to stone me, so this is urgent. And the Lord answers. I want you to know today that we serve a God who can answer your prayers of faith. We serve a God who answers prayers of faith in a man or woman who is willing to walk in obedience before him and not walk in bitterness and anger <clears throat> and in the cobwebs of human ability, but walks in the mighty power of Jesus. The Lord said, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Now, we're going to be watching, and if you go to Numbers 20, you'll see there another occasion. The staff that he had in his hand with which he struck the Nile, that is a staff of judgment. Aaron's staff is a staff of priesthood, not a staff of judgment. You remember, they were quarreling, and Moses collected the staff from each of the heads of the tribes, and they put it in the tabernacle. They identified them. They put them in the, in the tabernacle, 
And the next morning, Aaron's rod had budded almonds and produced almonds, green leaves out of a dry stick, indicating that Aaron was the chosen one of God. Well, that same rod, that same staff, is in the scriptures the staff of priesthood, not judgment. But now, the Lord said, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, that is the mountain of God. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. We know from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, that Paul said that rock was Jesus Christ. Jesus is often referred to in the scripture. God is often referred to in the scripture as a rock, something immovable, something that cannot be picked up by human ingenuity and human power. It's steady. It remains. Water doesn't move it. It stays. It's a huge rock. Strike the rock symbolizing Jesus being struck on the cross. He offered himself as an atonement for a broken covenant. Adam and Eve broke the covenant with God. They gave the ownership of the world to the devil. And now all the children of Adam and Eve have produced after their kind which is separated from the Spirit of God, isolated, walking in sin, walking in rebellion, walking in unbelief. He said, strike the rock and water will come out of it. Jesus stood before the Jewish people and he said, all of you who are thirsty, come to me and drink. He said to the woman at the well, I have water you know nothing of, but if you drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. In fact, water will begin to flow from your belly. He's speaking spiritually. Strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah meaning testing, unbelief, bitterness, quarreling. And it says, they questioned, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? In other words, I want what I want, and if I don't get it, it's because God isn't with me. Wrong. You may want something God doesn't want, or you may be going about trying to get what you want in a way that dishonors the Lord Jesus, trusting in the human ability rather than putting your trust in Jesus. Now, my brother, my sister, What happens next is terrifying. 
I'll read it for you. The Amalekites, this is chapter 17, verse 8. They just tested the Lord. They just quarreled. They're angry. They're ready to kill Moses. Verse 8, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Well, who are the Amalekites? Amalek was the grandson of Esau. And they've come and attacked Israel. Why? Because Israel has dishonored the Lord God of heaven and they have they have walked in unbelief. They've not trusted in the Lord, and so the Lord is allowing the Amalekites to come and attack them and say, okay, you want to walk that way, Amalekites? You can punish my people. And the whip God chooses now is Amalek, the Amalekites. And Moses then had to say to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out tomorrow and fight the Amalekites. And tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua the next day went out and fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill with him. And as long as they held Moses' hands up because he got tired, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. They held up his hands and they remained steady all that day and they beat the Amalekites and the Amalekites withdrew. I want you to hear. You want the Amalekites to attack you? Then walk in unbelief and test the Lord and be angry, bitter. You want the deliverance? Lift your hands in praise and honor and thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus. Sing songs of worship and praise to him. Read the Psalms. Read the scriptures. Now, I have people who say to me, Pastor, you cannot trust God to pay for the radio bill. You have to ask us. I trust God to pay the radio bill. I trust God for ministry, the same as I do for my personal life. And you can have a share in that as you consistently, sacrificially give to carry the work of the gospel forward. But I want you to only do that giving as an act of faith and obedience to the Holy Spirit and not because somebody is begging you to step forward and give or they're going to go off the air. Well, yes, I could go off the air. And if I do, it will be because God said go off the air. But right now he's saying, test me in this. Watch what I'm going to do. So I'm watching what he's going to do. And we're out of time for today's broadcast. Let me just quickly say, you can write to me. I would love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your testimonies. Uh, you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. 
It's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'll give you that address again. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And if you're listening on the Internet, I urge you, please, would you subscribe to our channel? And would you share this with others, others who need to hear this message? Now, I'd like to pray with you, please. Lord, I rejoice in you, Jesus. And I trust you with my personal life. And I trust you with this broadcast. And I trust these beloved men and women with you, Jesus, to accomplish in their hearts all that you desire, that you would speak plainly to them regarding the work of the gospel, that you would not let fear rise up in their hearts, but you would cause them to know that they can follow you and listen to you, that you come with healing and restoration, that you're not going to let the devil ravage their lives. Lord, I thank you, and I bless you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'd love to meet you. I've met some like Chris. I'm looking forward to meeting many more of you. You're welcome to come and worship with us on Sunday. Go on the internet, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find the address and a phone number. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.